And so, with the cup held high, me the leave Croke Park, All-Ireland football champions for 1949. Oh, beautiful me, you got all that I need. Dimsey hits Davin Fee. Anthony Finnerty comes in and gives him a touch of the elbow. Colin Coyle hitting Finnerty. This is Colm's first punch. Finity delayed reaction, looks around, sees Martin O'Connell coming in and thinks that the best action is to go down. What a set of matches we've had. Four terrific and memorable games. Final score meets 2-10. Dublin, 15. So Joe McDonough, GA president, presents Sam McGuire to Graham Garrity and meet of the football champions. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the We Are Mead podcast. It's a bank holiday Monday. There's a few sore heads in around the podcast here, so there is. Um, I've got David Rismond and me right. I've got Brian Kelly in front of me, and I've got Kieran Flynn, the Mead County Board PRO, to my left, and he's a little bit worse for wear. Um, but uh, we're going to be rubbing his head and uh, and giving him a couple of back rubs as well during the podcast just to get him through the night. I know David Rismond is a bit rough as well. Um, Brian Kelly, you're as fresh as a daisy. Absolutely, Mickey. Not a bother on me. Unlike the two lads here, I can handle a bank holiday weekend. Absolutely. It just means staying in bed, but still. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same. Staying out of the pub, staying in bed. Um, we're too old for this crack. Absolutely. As absolutely. I've learned this weekend, anyone my age is slowly but surely getting past it, according to Davey Rispin. <laughs> He's past it. <laughs> He's past it. But um, uh, on this week's podcast, we've got a good bit to get through. We have a result from the Little National Football League Division 3 semi-final where Mead were playing. We've got the Mead Miners in action, uh, the Mead Men's Miners in action tomorrow evening, uh, Tuesday. Um, that's in Parnell Park. We'll be coming back to that. We also have the, all the results. We'll be reviewing all the results from the Mead Championships from Senior to Junior A. And uh, we'll be having a look back at the predictions, the Courtown Club Championship forecast uh, that the four amigos here in the pod did last week and uh, we'll have to announce the winner and second place within our podcast. A um, few other things later on as well in the podcast, but first of all, I want to go to thank all of our listeners. Um, we on the We Are Mead podcast have peaked at number 13 in the country on sports and recreational podcasting. So uh, uh, without our listeners, we wouldn't be able to climb so high. Um, we are currently in the top 200 podcasts in the country but um you know we're peaking up and down we've been in the top 50 a few times which is absolutely brilliant and we just want to thank the listeners also as well the mead cavan uh, challenge match that was supposed to be taking place i think it was today wasn't it uh, down in den football club in cavan uh, they were opening the field and the stand that was called off due to uh, a mumps outbreak in the in in the area and uh, <laughs> Kieran Flynn, um, I've I've seen football matches being called off for a lot of things, but I've never ever heard of a mumps outbreak being the reason for a game of football to be called off. Yeah, and it actually it happened recently. There was a club in me that won't name it that actually had a similar thing, and they had to shut down activity for two or three days. It's just mumps are on the the return for some reason. I don't know why, but uh, Andy McAdee was just giving medical advice not to risk outbreak amongst the players because as you know, if a player got it. He couldn't train and he'd be outside the panel for probably up until including the Offaly game. So 
it was just not worth risking it. So I don't think there would have been any risk of you catching them if you'd gone down because there's no way the bumps would have got into your alcohol system. No, well, I got, I got, the, I got my injection years ago, very sensible medical professional with my family. Or so. But I said at the same time, I'd say I was, my body was so full of toxins, I'd say there was no way the bumps were getting in. Yeah, there wasn't any room for any more toxins, yeah. I wouldn't think. But uh, that game has been called off. And uh, unfortunately for the Den Football Club, because they have a fantastic field and they have a fantastic new stand down there. And... Uh, they missed out on a, a chance to maybe raise some money for the club because the, the, the weather was so fine this weekend, which we'll see in our uh, the results from the games that were played in the weekend, some high scoring right throughout all of the championships in, in Mead. Firstly, we're going to go tonight to the Little National Football League Division 3. Mead ladies were out on Saturday in the semi-final. They were taking on Longford. Um, I think that game was played in Longford. It finished with a, a victory for the Mead girls, 5-18 to 3 goals and 10. And they now meet Sligo in the National Football League Division 3 final on the 4th of May. That's the Saturday, the 4th of May. And Davey Urspin, you have uh, some information on this game and we just uh, you can thank the man for sending it on to you now in a minute yeah thanks thanks a million to Tom O'Connor from Dunham Ashburn the new St Michael's ladies manager as well so well done to him on that Um, he actually was at the game and he's after sending me a a little bit of in-depth analysis and um, you know report from the game so I'll just read out what Tom sent me so he sent 5-18 to Mead 3-10 to Longford he says good win for Mead in their semi-final finishing very strongly with some great scores he said the scoreline doesn't really reflect the game as Longford started the better team and had two goal chances brilliantly saved by Monica McGurk once again as she proved this year are worth with four or five top class saves. Um, Mead weathered an early Longford storm when they took control of the game with Avian Cleary and Sarah Wall leading from the back and great defending and surging runs throughout the game. In the forwards it was 16-year-old Emma Duggan who led the way with six points from play, ably assisted by Kelsey Nesbitt with 1-1 and Vicky Wall with 2-2 all from play. He says Mead will be happy um, with five eighteen as a score in any game, especially, um, sorry, <laughs> just had to flick the page. Um, five eighteen in any game is especially good scoring with four sixteen from play, <laughs> but we will <laughs> sorry, um, <laughs> we will know they will have to do better in two weeks' time as they can't afford to give better teams goal chances to give on Saturday. Um, and they'll play a Sligo on in the final on the fourth of May. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Tom O'Connor, we just want to thank you. Um, always, when he gets to a game, he always sends us in some information and it's brilliant to have information on these games and it's great to see the Mead ladies getting to the uh, Division 3 final. It's uh, We've spoke about it on this podcast on numerous occasions, Brian, um, that the Mead ladies, they're, they're playing below themselves in Division 3. They really are a much stronger team than that. Absolutely, they're well above that standard and hopefully now come to Maybank all the weekend they do the business and get promotion because it's probably an unfair system. You top the league and you still have to win the final to, to be promoted. Yeah. But they've actually an interesting dilemma that weekend. They're in the minor f- A final in Leinster against Dublin. No, Kildare. And that's on the Saturday, I think, and the ladies' final is on the Monday or vice versa. And there's three of the senior team on yeah, the, the ladies' game is on the Saturday, Saturday the fourth. So the minors, the minors on, the on the Monday. So there's a five day rule in place that you can't play for your club before a game like that. Mm-hmm. But still, three of the players are going to have to play a national league final on the Saturday, and then play a minor on the Monday. Yeah. So it's an interesting dilemma. It's a bit unfair on the players, and it'll be interesting to see what approach the county board take on it because last year. When clubs are forced to play without their players because of an under-16B final, they basically gave the two fingers to the clubs. So it'll be interesting to see what approach they take now. Ooh. 
big words there from Brian Kelly. Is the claws just, are just, out. That's the show when you're cooped up in all weekend. You, <laughs> you just get a bit mad, don't you? <laughs> you, you have to vent. You, you have know, to vent, you know. It, yeah. Vent. Yeah, the, the <laughs> you need to go to the Palace Bar, apparently. This is where these, <laughs> this is where these two boys were. Um, well, and, and Ryan's in as well. In fairness, I did hear there was um, cross-club relations were improving on Saturday night as the night wore on. And Isn't we'll that right, David? We'll between, come back. Between uh, the We Are Mead team and Screen GFC. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back to that, that one later on. But look, it's great to see the Mead girls getting into that final so comprehensively in the end. A 14-point win. Didn't have it all their own way in the early stages, but they fought back to get that win. And it's brilliant. 4th of May, Saturday the 4th of May, that league's final will take place against Sligo. We'll move on now. Uh, the Mead Miners, the uh, lads are out tomorrow night, as we said, Tuesday night, um, in the Electric Ireland Miners uh, Championship. It's in, against Dublin, and it's in Parnell Park at 7.30, Brian Kelly. And uh, it's the first of their group games. And in the group, you have Mead, Dublin, Offaly, and Wexford. And the top two go tr- straight through to quarterfinals. Um, and not only that, but we have a little bit of an exclusive. Brian Kelly, you are going to be announcing the team for us here on the We Are Mead podcast this evening. Well, I've just uh, been informed by the county PRO that the team can be released. So in goals, we have Dean Pluck from Ballinabracky. Right cornerback is Jamie Fagan from Kilmainham Wood. Fullback is James McGovern from Drumbarra Emmets. Uh, last just fullback was from Drumbarra as well. Um, left cornerback is Harry, Harry Corscadden from Mead Hill. Half back line is Harry Ryan from Ballinlock, Aaron Chinchilla from Simon St. Gales, and Kieran Caulfield from Trim. Midfield is team captain Josh Carlin from Simon St. Gales and Andy Ahechaya from St. Column Kills. In the half forward line, we have Shane Smith and Niall Finnerty from Screen, and they'll be accompanied by Owen Frayne from Summerhill. The full forward line then is Pierce Sheridan from Oldcastle. Barry Thompson from Ballinabracky and David Bell from St. Column Kills. David Bell is the sole survivor on tomorrow night's starting 15 from last year's team. Excellent. And uh, looking down through it, there's a there's a few players from St. Column Kills who um, played each other in the League Division 1 final last weekend as well. Yeah, and a cracking game of football that was. Um, really, Kills won in the end by in around 10 points but it was the harshest defeat of that margin that it could possibly have been yeah. Simonson were it there it went to extra time it, w- it went to extra time Simonson were there all the way Josh Carlin picked up a knock at half time and he was lording it at midfield in in, in extra time Aaron Chinchilla took a fellow down for a penalty was asked by the referee to leave the pitch after getting the black card and once that happened their two main leaders were gone Yeah, and Kills just saw it out. Momentum and extra time is huge, and they just got like David Bell over the eighty minutes scored two goals and nine points. Yeah, it's fantastic. Like, incredible and, shooting. And 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 these these guys that played in that Division One final, they're going to be imperative to this Mead team going forward in the um, Electric Ireland Minor Championship. Oh, massively! Like you see, the two midfielders there are Josh and Andy from the teams last week. Then you have David Bell corner forward. But there's a few other lads to look out for on the team. Um, Jamie Fagan is a real tight, tigerish cornerback. Anyone who went to the games last year and seen James O'Hare, he's James O'Hare Mark II. That's right. the type of player he is. He just gets the hand in. He's a nightmare for a corner forward. Um, in the half-back line, then, Kieran Caulfield. Kieran is under his minor age again next year. But he's a really promising young footballer. And he's a good hurler as well, in fairness to him. Have to mention that, or Kieran will give me a D. <laughs> and then in the half forward line, 
um, Niall Finnerty. He's one of the Finnertys from screen who didn't go on to play soccer, but he still know he still knows the way to goal. Give him half a chance and he'll bury it. He's a really exciting forward. And um, I suppose looking looking forward to tomorrow night. That game is in Parnell Park. It's the uh, home for the Dubs. It's a home game for the Dubs, and uh, you know. Uh, I suppose in, in, in recent years we've been putting it up to Dublin teams at all age levels so you'd be hoping for more of the same tomorrow night from these mean minors well they're, they're travelling in confidence they've been shown well in training lately they're a cracking bunch of footballers um, now mead teams don't have a great record in Parnell Park but this could be the team to set that record straight because there's real potential in this side and we're hoping that the mead supporters will get behind them once more this year after tomorrow night they're Games against Wexford on the eighth of May, Offaly on the eighth of May, and Wexford on the fifteenth are both in Navan, so they are two real opportunities for the supporters to come out and get behind them. The future of Mead is these young lads, last year's minors, this year's twenties. We need, they need the support, and hopefully they'll go on to be great seniors in the years to come as well. Yeah, we need a conveyor belt of these young fellas coming through, and they, they seem to be coming through at the moment. Kieran Flynn. Yeah, just I've noticed the last trend last year as well. I think which is very positive is the spread of clubs. I think you see again that there's a lot of junior clubs and intermediate clubs involved, which just shows that there's good coaching happening in these clubs now that maybe was lacking for a while. And I think especially the North Mead direction, there, there wasn't too many lads on Mead teams from the North Mead direction. It's great that there is so many from the likes of like Clemaine and Wood and Dunbar and Ballinlock and these places. So it just shows that they've got young talent coming through, yeah. which means they're playing senior intermediate football too. Absolutely. And we wish Conor O'Donoghue and the Mead Miners all the best tomorrow night in their first round of the... Um, Electric Ireland Minor Football Championship. We're going to move on now, lads, and we're going to go to the results from the weekend. Um, it was an action-packed championship weekend in Meath, and we're going to start off with the junior championship. We're going to start with uh, Group C. We will come back to the predictions, the um, Courtown Club Championship forecast predictions that we all did last week, um, but we're going to start with the junior championship Group C. Um, on Saturday, the venue was Carlinstown. It was Gail Column Kill taking on Mulve Tones. Three goals and nine to two goals and 11 in favour of Gail Column Kill. Uh, on Sunday, the venue was Kildalki. It was Nafina 1-7 and Screen 8 points. An absolutely cracking game in the weather there by the sounds of things. 1-7 to 8 points. Probably the lowest scoring game of the weekend. And then on Sunday, the venue was Ashburn and it was Dunshockland against O'Matney's. Dunshockland coming out victorious, victorious on this one. 1-17 to Navin O'Matney's. One goal and eight. We won't spend too long on Group C. We just say that each week. It's the second teams, but I'll just uh, give you the rundown of the um, of the the, the table. Uh, sitting at the top with two wins from two is Summerhill and Gail Column Kill. Bottom of the table is Navin O'Matney's and Wolf Tones with no wins. And Dunshockland Screen, Centralstown and Nafina all have two points in that junior championship. Again, as we know, lads, that's, you, you can't really take anything from Group C until we get to the quarterfinal stage, David. No, it is. It's very, it's very difficult. To, and even over the weekend, there was lads being picked from from different teams. I know. Um, I think Fionn Riley, for example, played first round. He played junior A with Kells, and then he played senior over the weekend with, with obviously their seniors. And and that was kind of a case with Summerhill and Centralstown as well. Kind of pulling lads from different things. There's a various kind of different factors: injuries, suspensions, kind of black cards. It, yeah. it, it all kind of contributes. And some clubs might be in a position where they're six or seven points up in a game. They wouldn't like to use players, but the likes of an injury or a black card and you're forced to use a guy for five or ten minutes when ideally you wouldn't like to but that's how it goes yeah yeah and I suppose you yourselves Dunsany over here beside me uh, Cortown and Dunsany you'll still be keeping one eye on that 
group um, uh, as it comes towards the quarter final. We're going to move on now to Group B, and then we'll go through this one in depth. Uh, on Saturday, the venue was Centristown. It was St. Vincent's against Kilmaine and Wood, and St. Vincent's came out with the victory here. Two goals in 15 to two goals in seven. And Kieran, did you make it to this game? No. Did any of the lads make it to this game? Did you hear anything, anybody? Yeah. Our, uh, sorry. Our manager was at the game because um, we have Vincent's next, and we've played Kilmaine and Wood already and he, he was just I know it's nearly not relevant going to a game now when you're not going to be playing them for probably three months but um, he says it was a good game and in fairness to Kilmaine and Wood I think they stuck with St Vincent's for large parts of the first half I think there was two points in at half time and uh, Vincent's did kick on second half probably the superiority in terms of fitness and you know pace and, and that kind of thing they're very good at breaking from deep that that probably contributed to it um, whilst he said they were impressive he says they're probably just not at the levels they were at maybe last year, but it is still very early days. They'll be just relieved to pick up a win. That was kind of, that was a really big game for them, especially because coming off the back of the defeat in round one, it was all about getting the results um, in round two, going into the break, and they've done that. And uh, I was actually, I did, I did, I spoke to the Vincent's boys in Fairy House, actually. They, were, they weren't too much interested. It's, in just, after, it's just yeah. after coming back <laughs> yeah, to you yeah, now, isn't yeah. it? Just, just reminding me there now, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were there, and they were enjoying themselves very much from their win, and they were delighted, so. We didn't talk anything about football. Football no. was secondary. There's a lot good to know. Yeah. <laughs> well, just uh, looking across the the four prediction sheets, um, we all predicted a St. Vincent's win in this game. So it probably wasn't too much of a shock. A lot of people would have had St. Vincent's down to beat Kilmaine and Wood. Um, the second of the games uh, was played on Saturday and the venue was Bechtiv and it was Clonnagail uh, against Dunsany and it ended up Clonnagail three goals and 15, Dunsany two goals and 10 and there's only one place to go for this one, Kieran Flynn. Um, no thoughts, David, no. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll come back to him, don't worry. Disappointing result for uh, Dunsany. Yeah, unfortunately, it looks like Dunsany's goose was cooked. Uh, it just didn't really go well. The first 10 minutes, there was two goals and two points went in and in fairness to Clonagale, now the they're very youthful and exuberant. The the speed of their half forward line, like there was Eamon Donahue, Dermot Donahue, the O'Sullivan, Swain was playing. Just they really were good and kicking, kicking. You know that's what that's what Dunsany thought as well. There was an awful <laughs> lot of lads in the half forward line because they were getting overlapped like hell. But it just kind of the the ten points or so that they conceded, they never really got that gap back and just were chasing the whole game. And then near the end of the game, when there was high, there was hints of a comeback. They had two penalty chances they didn't get, and they just couldn't get momentum, momentum going at yeah. all. Like, and I know that they weren't impressed with one of the decisions where the the ref actually gave a free in for the goalie raising his foot, and then all of a sudden he changed his mind. He didn't give a penalty and he gave a free in, and his 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 uh, his rationale was it wasn't in the big squares and the small square, which is not the rules, the official guide. So is, it was kind of funny. Like, is uh, Kieran Flynn actually giving out about refereeing decision? Mm. Well, oh not what he's saying. What happened? I'm not giving out. Easy, no one done say any lost. <laughs> Well, I'm only setting a fact to what he said, but it's only it's interesting. But that was just the killer because they never could get the gap anywhere back, so they were chasing the kind of ten points all game. So, well, but Clonagale really deserved winners in fairness. Though. Looking looking at our prediction sheets, uh, two went for Clonagale. That's David Rispin and Brian Kelly and myself and Kieran Flynn went for a uh, Dunsany win. So we were split on this one. Um, of course, Courtown had beaten St. Bridget's the week beforehand. So, um, uh, looking at the table now, David, Clonagale and Courtown on four points and St. Vincent's and Dunsany on two points, which means that it's it's leaving that group, you know, that still fairly tight come back when we come back after the break. Yeah, I, I suppose you don't want to be disrespectful to the two teams at the bottom, but rea- realistically, 
at this stage you're probably looking at three teams from the, the, the top four to go through out of that group I'd say uh, it was always going to be the case where two of them were going to finish on four and then the way Dunsany were playing Clan after both winning you know the first day something had to give in that game and unless it was a draw of course so look at it it is very early days there is some kind of tasty or fixtures to come in, in round three and that and we'll probably have a much better insight into the group you know after round three but there's no need worrying about that because it's so long away yeah absolutely and uh, we'll move on anyway to group A and the venue uh, the, the, it was Saturday night the venue was Kildalki and it was St. Dalton's against Clonard and this one finished St. Dalton's two goals at 18 24 points to Clonard's four goals and 11 which is 23 points a one point victory for St. Dalton's and I suppose there's only one place to go uh, for this victory and it's to David Ruspin. Uh, your um, your brothers in arms, St. Dalton's, uh, coming away with a one-point victory and it's the team of the weekend, massively high-scoring games mm. and very small marginal wins for teams And but that's a massive win in fairness for St. Dalton's, a one-point victory in such a high-scoring game. Yeah, and I think it was much more comfortable than the scoreline probably suggests. I know there's only a point in in the end but I think there were nine or ten points up with, with ten minutes to go and uh, Clannard managed to get two goals deep into injury time and actually made it a, re- a, you know, a grandstand finish. I suppose from Clannard, they'll be really disappointed. They managed to get a point against Minolte the first day out. Yeah. And a Minolte team who we've seen have gone on to be Karen Ross and that. And probably one of the strong fancies to do well in the junior this year in St. Dalton's came within a point of beating or getting getting a draw there as well. Uh, I believe from what I've heard, Adam Fannigan and Keane McBride was a, was an unbelievable tussle in midfield, I think, with, with the high fielding and all the rest of it. Um, and it was, it was a proper kind of contest between the two. But... Yeah, Ultons will be happy, you know, two wins. Probably still not playing as well as they would like to have. Um, 218's a good scoreline, but then 411 to be conceded that is uh, is a concern for them going forward. But um, they'll be just happy to get two wins, I'd say. They will indeed. And I suppose when the amalgamation happens, they won't have to worry about uh, worry about little things like that. Like, is fairness, like, Brian Kelly, I'm, I'm just looking at it like, you definitely have a senior team between St. Dalton's and Cortown, when you look at the quality that they have out there in Bohemian. Well, especially if they bring in Drumbara and Kilmainham as well, like they do for underage. They have a county this team is, at that is, stage. This is a word. real issue for Brian Kelly, actually. The underage amalgamation between Kilmainham, Drumbara, Ultons and Cortown. And, you know, as as secretary or secretary of the minor board, I think, you know, it's 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 nearly an ecumenical matter for him that, that you shouldn't probably be drawn into kind of bringing this talk into the podcast. He just doesn't like typing that out. Like, every time he has to type that out, it takes him about 25 <laughs> minutes. That's why he's just going to call them North Mead Bandits. That's what I said before. Yeah, that's fine. Well, I just had a dread last year if they reached the minor Division 1 final in Park Dodge, and like, with the new scoreboard, how were they going to fit it in, and <laughs> yeah. what, what crest were they going to use? Well, funnily enough, just as you mentioned that, we were, we were playing in the Junior B in Waterstown on Saturday, and uh, Kilbride and Slane were playing after us. It was Simon Soon and Trim in the first game and Kilbride and, and uh, Slane in the second one. And I thought they came up with a very ingenious way of putting the names of the teams up on the board. They just put their first initial up. So it was S against T in the first game and S against K in the second game. <laughs> I just thought, brilliant. You know, yeah. nobody needs the rest of the... Actually, the in, in Karen Ross, what they do is they get a jersey from each team and stick it and up stick on the scoreboard. Yeah, which is brilliant. Class. No need for any names. <laughs> <laughs> we'll move on anyway to the second game in Group A and the venue was Park Tolchin. It was on Sunday and this saw Beliver taking on Myla. Five goals and nine to Beliver. That is 24 points to Myla's one goal and 14 
and Kieran Flynn, uh, you were on Park Tolchin uh, for most of the weekend, but you apparently <laughs> missed this game. Um, but I, was on uh, a day, I booked it off. I, you know the way, like with Foss and all, we get it. We were entitled to like so many hours in the week off and all that kind of stuff. So I front load on my work for the week, you know. But in fairness, that's that's a massive win for for Beliver against Moila. Um, two wins from two. Well, now I, for I read the two match reports the two clubs put in, and it seemed very uh, over and back battle. And uh, I think it was uh, Tommy Riley wasn't it going off injured was a big one for Moila. I think then and the late comeback then for Beliver was the real thriller. Yeah, it was it was an incredible game actually in the sense that Moila. Uh, were four or five points up at half time and Beliver the man sent off just yeah. before half time Keith Yogan was sent off looked very harsh in fairness um, I have to say on reflection and and Beliver were Moila looked comfortable you know and Sean Riley was doing brilliant um, brilliant work you know his, he, he really kind of came into his own but as the game wore on they introduced Adam Gannon Beliver towards the end you know coming out, coming back from injury he was brilliant unbelievable the pace of him and they, they left him isolated Moila will probably have to look at themselves tactically. They really should have dropped an extra man, which they had back, playing in front and, and kind of seeing the game out. They didn't do that. They left themselves so open at the back. Beliver scored three goals in the last 10 minutes. And um, Podrick Hagen, as usual, kind of running the show for Beliver. But it was it was an incredible comeback. And it was it was gas because it was kind of the under, undercard to the Drumara-Kilmainham game, which we'll come to in a bit. But in the end of the day, the, all the atmosphere was kind of directed to the first game. The second game was flat from the start because of the crowd. They were just buzzing off the first game. It was a, it was an unbelievable comeback for Beliver with 14 men. Moyle will be kicking themselves, especially after being bet the first day out. Mm-hmm. Beliver will be delighted going into the break, two wins from two, and just the manner of it as well. Yeah, and as you mentioned that, looking down at the, the group table, it's Beliver and St. Dalton's both with four points on the top of the table. Then it's Minalti and three points. Then you have Clannard on one and Karen Ross and Moila, both on zero points mm. from two games. And with the manner of uh, the wins and the fact that Minolti are on three points, it's left a big gap between the top and the bottom of that group. Like you, you, you Third place is in three points and then one point and zero points. for the So Karen Ross, Moila and Clannard have it all to do in the second part of the championship. Yeah, you would have got, you would have got unbelievable odds on... After two games, Karen Ross and Moyle have been bottom the two bottom, yeah. with, no, with no points. And, you know, whatever about Beliver and Alton's probably would have been expected to a certain degree to be up there. But Minolte, as you said, with three points, there's a gap, you know, between third and, and joint fifth or sixth with zero points, which is significant, I think, at this stage. Clannard's still there with a point. They'll feel that, you know, a win puts them back into it as well. I think Alton's play Karen Ross next, which is the big one. Yeah. Karen Ross simply have to win that yeah. or, or else their championship is over. So, um, really, really good group, yeah. Class. I, I just, I can't believe we're not going to challenge Dave Risman on his negative football approach there. Tell him to bring sweepers in and everything. I would have mm-hmm. thought you were more a traditionalist, kind of get the winning, ball in. Winning you know? all, yeah, I am, but winning all costs, when you have a lead to protect and a man up, you got to be seeing the game yeah, you got to go man to man and fight for every ball, you know. Well, look at how that turned out for them. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, it's left the, the junior championship, the Group A, uh, in a very precarious uh, position for, for Karen Ross and Moyla. Group B uh, is a little bit closer, although two teams with maximum points of four. Um, and then you've got Dunsany and Vincent's on two points each. And then obviously Group C, which uh, has the second teams, is going to be a little bit more difficult. Um, looking at the uh, predictions, I think we all had gone for um, a Beliver win. Is that right? I think we all had gone for a Beliver win. And then on the St. Dalton's and Clannard one, um, I think we all went for an Ultons win as well. So the I suppose they probably went with 
the way we were thinking, David. Yeah, it did. And, and just looking down through the points as well, I think myself and Brian finished with 13 from the group and yourself and Kieran was 10, which is, you know, very similar. There was only one result yeah. in the difference there. So that probably tells you it was actually the way the sheet went. It was all kind of away wins down on the right hand column um, and Karen Ross obviously caught everyone out. Um, I think we all put Karen Ross, yeah. Yeah. And we were all upset there. But um, yeah, no, really kind of close, close weekend in the junior, yeah. Fucking yeah. sure. Dunsany. Anyway, we'll move on anyway to the intermediate football <laughs> championship group C as Kieran Flynn gives me the daggers. <laughs> they lost for you too. We both lost points on them. I know, sure. I know. And yeah. No more to be said. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> in fairness, Mickey, it wasn't as bad for you. Kieran went to watch the game. <laughs> True, I suppose. If you'd like to advertise on the We Are Mead podcast, please get in contact with us by emailing wearemead at gmail.com or contact Damien on 085-1127-089. The We Are Mead podcast. Because it matters more. We'll move on now to Intermediate Football Championship and we're going to go to Group C first. The venue was Minalvi. It was on Saturday and it finished Dundry, one goal and 20. Uh, Blackhall Gales at 10 points and Brian Kelly, I suppose, looking at that, that's a, a big dent in uh, Blackhall Gales' um, uh, hopes for getting back up to Senior Championship. Yeah, it's a massive dent now. I, didn't, I watched Blackhall Gales play in Round 1 and they'd ground out a victory against Dunhamore Ashburn, who were probably poorer than I thought they would be. But um, just it seems at the weekend they'd no answer to Stephen Coogan, and was it Adam Kelly in the corner? Mm. Like the two of them racked up a huge score between them, and one fourteen. Like that, that says it all. One fourteen, seventeen points between them. Like yeah, if two players score that, the opposition are never going to win the game. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's look looking down at the predictions. We all went for a Dundery win there, lads, as well. And um, Blackhall Gales just struggling to get back up to the heights that they had over the last number of years in senior championship. Uh, the second game was in screen, and this saw St Peter's Dunboyne taking on Dunamore Ashburn. And uh, I suppose looking at the results from the week beforehand, and the fact that Dunamore Ashburn have been playing at that higher grade in intermediate football championship for the last couple of years with their second team, um, David, you. You probably wouldn't have expected a Dunboyne win there against Dunbar Ashburn. No, I would. I, I put it down on my predictions for Dunboyne, <laughs> so I did. No, actually going with a similar theory to what Brian says there about Dundry and, and Blackhall. I was at the, the first round game with Dunbar Ashburn as well. And whilst they pushed Blackhall, you know, a lot, I thought they were lacking in a bit of quality in terms of their second team. And just from, I hadn't seen Dunboyne play this year, but I know from last year there was a, a similar crossover and they had another player to added on to their squad from last year. And just... With that kind of assumption, I says Dunboyne would probably win. I didn't expect it to probably. There was it was a big enough margin in the end. I didn't think it'd be that. I thought it'd be close either way. Um, but yeah, it's a difficult start now for for Ashburn. They have tough games to come as well, so it could be a long year. Yeah, yeah it was Dunboyne had a fellow on the forty there on at the weekend, Darren Olin, and he seems to be a really promising footballer. He scored two two, and he's a player who I'd say you might see a bit more of in a green jersey as the summer progresses. Not necessarily in a senior team, but you could see him playing football for me this summer. Well, that'd be great to see it. Um, just looking down at the prediction sheets, both myself and yourself, uh, David Rispin, we had predicted a Dunboyne win, and uh, Kieran Flynn and uh, Brian Kelly had both gone for a this. Dunham the one now you you done me on the colour blindness. So I actually, according to your colour blindness, I no, went. No. 
no, I did no, pick Ashburn. No, I did yeah, pick yeah. Ashburn, but you tried to accuse me of picking them by. So can I please <laughs> I use my colour blind? got a suitor for the baby? No, can, can I use my colour blind <laughs> version, <laughs> please? <laughs> no, exactly. Because you, you made me, you wouldn't let me change. Oh. No. So I'm not allowed to change. I picked them by. That's a fact. Listen to the podcast last week. No, no, no. You didn't <laughs> pick them by. You picked them last week. I know, but you made me pick them by. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I got uh, slagged for that by that a lot was, of people that, on my colour blind. Because like you hen. were using the wrong coloured pen. That's all that was. The last of the games in Group C saw Waterstown taking on Dulik Bellustown. And this one was a turn up for the books, lads. Uh, Waterstown winning 14 points to Dulik Bellustown, nine, nine points. And uh, I suppose, like, Kieran Flynn. Looking at their, our predictions, nobody went for a Waterstown well, It's surprising game. from seeing them in the first round. They seemed lethargic and didn't seem that they were going to do much damage in the championship. But I was speaking to one or two of the players from Waterstown and they actually they turned around completely. Like They were just way more aggressive on the ball. They played a lot more um, advanced football, kicking the ball in and just won the ball. A lot more simple enough kind of idea. But I think it's great to see a team that bounce back from week one. Like. Because you can wallow in defeat and kind of say to yourself, well, it's going to be another long year and sure to hell with it. But they actually came back and a big there's, win. There's great bounce back ability. In, in, in bounce Waterstown. back ability. <laughs> the blacks are back. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, you had to bring that in there. That was uh, a sign that was put up outside um, uh, Dalgan Park back in the 80s. So yeah. it was, yeah. Um, anyway, we'll, we, it's uh, if anybody out there is listening and uh, you want to know that story, tr- talk to some of the older people in your club that because that is a great story about uh, a sign that was put up outside uh, Dalgan Park in Navan back in the eighties when Waterstown were were uh, flying high in in in, uh, in, in, in the All Ireland Club Championship. Um, looking at the table there, lads, I suppose it's a reverse in fortunes for Dundry from this time last year. Um, They've got four points from two games. Last year, we had them down for, for serious contenders. But that loss to Longwood, do you remember, to, mm-hmm. uh, um, was a huge... In Navan, yeah. In Navan, yeah, um, when they were completely out-muscled and they weren't able to recover from that. But looking at the table, they're the only t- team in Group C on maximum points. So it's looking like Dundery have probably, I suppose righted the wrongs of last year, David. Mm. I was actually speaking to Stephen Coogan as well over the weekend, and he he said it seems like the shackles are off. They're allowed to play a far more expansive and free-flowing type of game, and, and it's clearly benefiting himself and Adam Kelly, you know, with one fourteen. But other players like Conor O'Shea and the Bomber Farrell, they're contributing far more than they did kind of in previous years with the scoreboard. Like, you know, in, in terms of last year, I know they got through to a quarter-final in the end, but they weren't putting up scores like they're putting up now. Like they're after, you know, they're just looking at their points difference. They're plus twenty of a, of a score difference from their two games, which shows that the scoring potential in their in their ranks, and and it's it's such a wide variety. Obviously, the two lads are the main lads, but there is other people, and you have to remember Paddy Kennelly isn't around either. There, yeah. So it, you know it's brilliant to see Dundry back, kind of uh, you know a fresh approach, and it's clearly paying dividend four points from from a possible four on top of the group. Happy days. Yeah, it's I, I love the love that's out there in that uh, um and Parish for <laughs> for your neighbouring clubs. He's so happy for Dundry. It's great to see it. Um, we'll move on now to <laughs> to Group B. E. He forgot he forgot where he was there for a minute so we did uh, we'll move on to group B um, and uh, the first of the games was on Saturday the venue was at by it was Castletown against Ballinabracky and I'm going to take all the bragging rights here lads um, Castletown two goals and eight Ballinabracky 12 points 
And uh, who could have saw a Castletown win coming? I only myself. Only myself, lads. I'm the only one who predicted a Castletown win. Um, but uh, I suppose we'll go to Brian Kelly on this one. It is a bit of a shock. Um, but Castletown are flying high at the minute this year. It's a bit of a shock. But then after last weekend, Castletown are the only football team in Mead who are unbeaten for the year. Yeah. Now, I did get a phone call before the podcast from somebody in Castletown. Make sure you mentioned that. So I hope they're happy. <laughs> Like, I would have thought Ballinabracchi were going well enough in Division 2 of the league. A good team, semi-finals last year. I thought they'd end up with four points from four. I think I tipped them to be like that, but it's just not happening for them. And they're going to have to, <laughs> <laughs> they're going to have to have a serious look at themselves over the next couple of months and be ready for the championship in July or August or September, whenever it resumes. Well, hopefully it's in late September. That'll be brilliant. So on. Um, David, I'll go again. David, I suppose... Um, the hoodoo was put on Ballinabracky when Brian Kelly said mm. he predicted that they would win against Castleton. That's probably the big problem for Ballinabracky. Yeah, I actually, funny, that there's going to be a running team now throughout the podcast. I actually met a few Castleton lads over the weekend too. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they, they we met said, every single club at some stage over the weekend. As soon, as soon as the podcast went live last Monday, they didn't actually train for the week or anything. They just showed up to the game and they knew they were going to win because Brian was after yeah. them to lose. So uh, it was just a case of turning up. No, no, they... They actually played very well, according to Kevin Ross, and he said that he had the attentions of Juicy O'Connor and Nicky Judge, both of them, and he says he nearly didn't get a kick. He was happy to bring the two lads over to the sideline, <laughs> stand and kind of sun himself, and let the rest of the boys do the work, and happy days, they won. Yeah, look, that, 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 it, takes, it takes a very selfless player to do something yeah, like that. Yeah. When you are taking uh, the attention of two uh, markers, you have to be clever and you have to sacrifice your like own. Like you'd never do that, Mickey. You would definitely try and kick it yourself every well, time. Like. Well, the thing about me is that I would see that as uh, as a challenge. Uh, <laughs> two years marking me, right? Let's go for this, lads. They couldn't mark him in the dugout. <laughs> <laughs> but or, or uh, on Saturday. Or, uh, they couldn't mark me on Saturday as well. Ju- yeah. We're not talking junior B. Um, no, we will be. Don't worry. <laughs> that is how we're going to finish the podcast. Um, uh, Anyway, great win for Castleton. Still top of the table uh, with four points. And as Brian Kelly said, the only team in Mead that are unbeaten this year, flying high in the league and flying high in the championship. And it's great to see it because Castleton have struggled in the last number of years. And uh, I'm delighted for them. Saturday, the venue was Mead Hill and it was Sidden taking on St. Michael's. And this one ended up in a draw, lads. 2.16 to 2.16. And I suppose there wouldn't be too far of a distance between Sidden and St. Michael's. Um, I suppose there probably, you could nearly say it was a, a, a grudge match or a, um, a local derby. And uh, But a very high-scoring game and a share of the spoils, David. Yeah, I wasn't at this one, but I was talking to a few of our lads that were, and, and the manager first. You Michaels. were talking to a few boys from, from no, St. Michael's over the weekend, yeah? yeah. It, was, it was actually, though, <laughs> not, not in a kind of uh, bar or a public environment, but it was more... Um, it's the chipper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> though, that was one hell of a players' conference yeah. that the CPA oh, organised this weekend. Yeah, yeah Kieran was over it as well. It was fantastic, but no... We, really, we had a real PR offensive yeah. this weekend. We were just kind of promoting the podcast yeah. very much this weekend, you know? But, but no, in terms of the Michaels game, getting back to it... Uh, Sidden, Sidden were in cruise control I think 8 or 9 points up and that was probably a, a real shock considering how poor they were against Castletown in the opening round still no Darrow um, in the ranks but, mm-hmm. but playing ever so well and St Michael's rallied um, got back into it actually went 2 points up late on and Sidden pegged them back I think uh, Tommy Dillon with a free deep in injury time to get the draw for them um, you know a big result I was talking to the Bronze Adonis uh, the Michael's manager yesterday at the trim game 
And, you know, whilst he wasn't too happy with the performance, you know, in both games, they've got three points from a possible four, which, which re you know, represents a good return for them. And they have a few players out injured and a few guys to return from from different things. And uh, they, they'll take it, you know, especially after the way the game went for Sidden. They'll be a little bit disappointed, but they'll know, you know, they have a point on the board now. Darrow, you'd imagine, will be back come the resumption of the championship. And, and they'll still fancy themselves picking up points we'll come to it in a bit but that group is you know it's it's an incredible group and it's going to be really tight right up until its conclusion yeah absolutely and and i suppose uh uh sitting being in the same group as castleton has added fire to the belly in both mm. of them clubs which is brilliant um and the fact that uh, castleton beat sitting last week didn't they mm. so sitting had a point to prove um and came away with a draw in in their game on the weekend on sunday uh the venue was sean newman park and it was Bechtov taking on Trim. And lads, Bechtov came away with the victory here. Um, four goals and 10 points. 22 points to 20. It was three goals and 11 to Trim. And uh, another cracking game. And, and what a finish from Bechtov. Um, and uh, giving Bechtov their first win of, of, of the championship, Kieran. Yeah, it was in, obviously, it was in Bechtov Saturday. Dunsany were playing. And I was talking to a few of the lads, Gooch, McConnell, a few of them. And... They were quietly confident they were saying we're going over to Bohemian to rattle trim. We're not going to lie down to them. And obviously from the score, and I saw Marty Hall scored a great goal, I believe. And I think it, like it really was a brilliant game. I think, David, you were at it yourself, were you? Yeah, and David, another another one of the uh, local he was, derbies. He was in his well, local yeah. pitch as well, Mickey. Yeah, oh, yeah, he was, it was, a, it was well, just... One of three, yeah. It was, it was well, it's the closest distance. one to his house as well, isn't it? It's <laughs> yeah. the closest one to your house, isn't it? <laughs> you can see the pitch from his garden, I think. No, thankfully I can't. <laughs> Fawn Hill is in the way. <laughs> and Greek. But... Um, no, this this was the best game I was at over the weekend by a country mile. It was it was a quality contest, and I had the shades on because you know from our antics the night before, Mister Flynn. So uh, I just want to talk to you to want to be known there in Bohemian. <laughs> Actually, that could have been it. But I uh, know it was a really really good game. Trim started ever so well too. Aaron, right, Aaron Lynch was unbelievable. Absolutely, like a cut above the rest. Different different level altogether. Kicking kicking some brilliant scores. Was getting a bit of stick from the back to bench and and he got a goal and he and he gave it large, you know, to the to the back to um to the back to dugout and you know had a really good influence um on the game early on, as did most of the trim guys, and Bechtov really struggled to stay with them. Uh, Kieran Breslin in the goals, I know he made a mistake from one of the goals, but he made a fabulous save from James Cullen just before half time, which was key, you know, in the overall scheme of things. Bechtov came out second half, completely different team, like a team possessed. Started what were they trailing by at half time? Six. Six and, and you were looking at it, it could have been more, and you were kind of saying, well, you know, Trim are probably going to win this by 10 plus, at, at, you know, at this stage. Bechtov were so poor. Um, and then got a kind of grip midfield, uh, you know, the Gooch McConnell came into the game, as did the kind of the rest of the guys, Shawnee Keaton. Marty Mulhall, Colin McConnell, they were brilliant second half. Their movement um, within their forwards. And like, uh, you know, I referred to them as serial entertainers. That's 4-10 on, on Sunday and 4-9 the week before. They're after scoring. Yeah, you were corrected on Twitter yeah, earlier, yeah. I saw that. 8-19 eight, eight in, in two games and only coming out with just a narrow victory and, and a defeat, you know, yeah. the first day. So what it's saying is they're absolutely brilliant going forward. Defensively, I think they need to tighten up because letting in eight goals in two games is is, is probably worrying for them. And, and David Hosey will want to address that as soon as possible. But, you know, overall, it was it was one of them kind of games that they would have had to have won going into the break. If they went in with two defeats, they would have been in a bad place. For them now, for Trim, 
it's a little bit of a wake-up call for Brendan Murphy and his side. He'll know that they'll need to improve after the break, but they have a win. Bective have a win, so that group, you know, we said before, it's going to go down to the wire. Yeah, absolutely, and interestingly, Brendan Murphy is over the second team as well, and he was in uh, Waterstown for the Simonstown uh, trim game as well in the weekend, and they've got such big numbers. It's great to see trim mm. with such... Uh, they're, they're so excited about football and hurling over there in the club at the moment. For, for many years there, they were struggling to get their second team out. And th- they've got three teams playing this year, which is absolutely great to see. Uh, just to go back to uh, our predictions, we had all gone for a St. Michael's win, all four of us. And that was a draw. Uh, trim and Bechtiv, we all went for sure. a trim win. Um, and Bechtiv got the win there. And uh, in the Castletown battle in the Bracky, um, I think I was yeah I was the only one who went for the Castleton win there just to remind you uh, just to uh, we'll go back to the table there now Castleton sitting pretty with four points at the top of the uh, group B um, St Michael's on three points Bechtiv and Trim both on two points but Bechtiv uh, ahead on head to head and then uh, Sidden on a point and Ballinabracky on zero points so David looking at that group that group is still very tight and you know Balnebracki will still have a big say in, in, in this group when they come back after the break. Yeah, you'd think so. They're going to come out probably similar to Karen Ross and the junior would have been one of the favourites to actually go on and win the championship. They're going to have to come out and win their last three games realistically to to probably progress. Maybe need t- five points at least. You'd think so. Yeah. Five plus five mightn't be enough. Six probably definitely would get them through yeah. You know, with head to head and that, as you said. Uh, there is a big one in terms of St. Michael's play trim the next one. I know that for sure. And and that's a huge game because if you know if Michael's win that that puts them to five they're you know probably more or less true then and Trim are in real danger whereas if Trim come out and win they'll leapfrog St Michael's and there could be other changes at, you know at lower down so yeah it's a fascinating group it, it probably is that we'll come to the other group in the junior it's more of a local kind of group but this one is kind of quality all the way through it you know you have um and it's going to be a really exciting finish. You're going to move on now to Group A of the Intermediate Football Championship, the Mead Potato Intermediate Football Championship, just to remind you. Um, on Sunday, the venue was Drumcondrath, and it was Nobber taking on Mead, Mead Hill, and Nobber came away with the victory here, nine points to seven, another cracking game by the sounds of things in the heat in Drumcondrath. Um, and, uh, like, Mead Hill, Kieran. um I think I I think I went for Mead Hill in the predictions. I, I did. I'm not sure if anybody else did. I went for Nobber. You you went for Nobber and went for you went for Nobber. And I think Brian Kelly went for for yeah. for Nobber or for for Mead Hill with myself. But again, we were split on this one, and the scoreline uh, suggests that you know it was always going to be a, a hard game to call. Because was is it would it be that hot at the altitude up there in Drumcondrath? You know, it's like Cape Town. The, the fiery another. depths of hell. Up yeah. There. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Dave. You run a peacekeeping mission of the weekend. Well, and don't go well, back and go on it it's, again. It's, it's it's higher up, so yeah. it's closer to the sun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's a fair wind up there. <laughs> yes, yeah, so Dave, you, you pup. Yeah, but go on. I think uh, yeah, Nobber they had a the first round game for them. I think and from seeing Mead Hill and Navin, we're saying maybe Nobber would be slightly better. So. I think from what I heard from the match reports, it was a fairly t- tightly contested game. I think I think that probably was the low scoring game of the championship. I think this weekend was it the other one we said in Group C of the junior was one seventy, yeah, wasn't it? Exactly, so, yeah. So that's the tightest one at nine to seven. So I'd imagine it was a defense. Defenses on top by the looks of things. And some roaring and bawling from the side down and probably some flaking. And <laughs> some flaking as well. Um, looking at that one, uh, Brian Kelly, um, Noburn now are second in the table, uh, having drawn with Oldcastle the, the first day out. Um, 
they joined them at the top of the table. So it's left that group quite precarious. But Nobber, I suppose they need Brian Farrell uh, shooting like shooting the lights out to be to be really contenders in that group. Yeah, well, Nobber have, between Brian Farrell and Jordan Morris, they have two really good forwards. And then the Sean Mead as well, who won a Sigerson a year or two ago at UCD. Mm-hmm. It's like to have some talent up there. And Brian, I didn't hear much now about the game at the weekend, but in the first round against Oldcastle, Brian was very good on the 40. So if the three of them can keep the scoreboard taking over, Nobber might just be a match for anyone on their day. David Meadhill um, will be worried now, um, you know, having... I I think that they, they would have been going into that game uh, and have that earmarked for a two-pointer. Yeah, they probably would. I was a little bit critical after the Kilmainham game of them. I know it's hard to be critical when you win games, but I thought they were they were a little bit too defensive and I actually was speaking to, funny enough, Mead Hill and Nobber uh, <laughs> last year. night, yeah. And um, they both feel the same. Like, Mead Hill have some excellent forwards, kind of small, diminutive forwards who, who would relish kind of open space and, and area to run into. The, the way they're playing at the minute, it's sort of different. They have a new management team in place and it's, it is a bit of a different approach to what Davy Cahill brought to them in, in previous years. And it doesn't seem to be suiting them. I know, you know, narrowly beaten yesterday 9-7, but realistically, you're not going to win or get anything from games when you're only scoring seven points. Yeah. Um, and I know what they only restricted to Nobber to nine, which is good. But, but any time your defence only let in nine points, you have to be looking at it and saying we should be winning the game, you yeah. know, and then our opposition is only scoring nine points. So I think they'll have to probably have a look at it and come out and be a little bit more expansive and open in terms of, you know, their style of play coming coming into the second kind of part of the championship because they do have good forwards and we've seen that in previous years that they can have ding-dongs with teams like Kilmainham last year, for example, um, and Dundry, I know they played really well in court in that night, didn't get the result, but they... They, they can they have a lot more in in their ranks you know I don't think they need to be so kind of defensively minded I think they have enough quality to actually come out and, and play a nice attractive brand of football um, again when that amalgamation happens up there between Mead Hill and Dunkander they'll have definitely the makings of a senior team um, Dave has been shaking his head there going God there's more of a chance of St. Ultons and Courtown <laughs> than uh, amalgamating than that there's probably more of a chance of Dave Urisman having good relations with Drunk Honor to turn up that happening. <laughs> uh, the last of the games was taking place on Sunday and the venue was Park Tolchin. It was another of the um, uh, local derbies. It was Drumbarra Emmets against Kilmainham and Drumbarra came away with a two-point victory here and uh, Drumbarra getting the bragging rights down there around Kells. Yeah, yeah, it was as I said, it was probably a case of after the Lord Mayor show, um, after the Junior A game between Beliver and Myla. It was a little bit disappointing in terms of kind of quality in that. I was expecting a wee bit more from, from both sides and there was a poor enough crowd in Navin. It was a really nice evening, you know, local derby. Probably a case for the park again. We, yeah, we, we love talking about We lamented about the park. Yeah. Very romantic when we talk about the park. Like it, It's a great venue and that's where it should yeah. have been. Like. It probably should have been on the weekend would have suited for it and everything. But going back to the game, I suppose, it was it was really you know closely fought throughout. I think there was nothing in it really. Drumbarra uh, did a good job of curtailing Mickey Newman from play, but put one highlight and I wish someone had got it on camera. He kicked a free, no messing in Navin from the halfway line and scored a point out of his hands curled it round it was just a phenomenal score Gale Forrest win behind him wasn't it yeah it, well <laughs> a, a little bit of a breeze oh, behind him yeah but but you know it was a fantastic score accuracy and distance and all the rest of it but Drumbarra will be just relieved I think to get the win I don't think they'll really care too much about how they played or anything like that after they played so well against Ballinlock for 40 minutes and blew up yeah. and lost so they'll be much more happy now just to get a result they won't really care about how they played or anything like that Kilmainham 
probably had had every chance of winning that game. I think they were a point down at half time, but they had the breeze in the second half and just kind of didn't come out. And did Thomas Carey see, play well? Season enough. Yeah, Tommy Carey actually was late addition to the team. He wasn't named to start, but but started and kicked a few excellent scores in the first half. Was was really good. Tommy's kind of he's a brilliant left boot on him when he when he wants to. You know when mm. he turns it on, he's he's a class act. Um, as a, so so many of the carries Peter our full back was very good and Willie in midfield Column came on as well so Drumbara clearly have the talent I mm-hmm. think it's just putting it together now and kind of finding the, the right mould of say performance and actually you know getting results but it seems to me that they've actually learnt already from what happened against Ballinlock because they were in a similar position you know leading and they actually seen the game out really impressively which was good to see well the funny thing is that last week when we did speak about it i said how were how were how were they going to motivate the players having you know mm. having had such a lead and uh, and throwing it away against Ballon Lock. Um, they came out, they righted that wrong and they've learned and they learn from that mm. uh, going forward in, in, in the championship. Of course, Oldcastle and Ballon Lock played each other last week. Uh, Oldcastle getting the victory against Ballon Lock. It was a heavy defeat for Ballon Lock in that game that we're missing a few players. And that leaves the table looking like this. It's Oldcastle and Nobber uh, sitting on three points, having uh, one win and a draw each. Drumbara and Mead Hill and Ballinlock are all on two points, and Kilmainham on zero points. But uh, I know Kilmainham are on zero points, David, but that group is still wide open. Like Drumbara, or if Kilmainham come back and got two wins mm. in their first two games when they come back. It could go a long way to to um getting them through to the quarter final. Yeah, it's 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 going to be tough for Kilmainham. I think they're it, the problem with it is is they're they're missing so many lads and yeah. guys have gone away and stuff, and they'd have a small squad at the best of times, let alone you know what they have at the minute. And I think that they are putting in as good a performance as that as that can be hoped for them. Um, the, the two games they'll probably look at, and there were narrow defeats in both of them. But realistically, there were two games that they probably should have or they would have targeted at getting results from naturally. Uh, Mickey Newman, you know, you know he is he is Mickey Newman after all, but they are very reliant on him, and I think when he plays, he's obviously going to be targeted, you know, as you would do, yep. and and other guys kind of have to step up and and start performing a bit for them, and it's really tough because their league ca- league form has been so poor without Mickey and stuff, and now they're going to go back into the league and the cup without him, obviously when he's with Mead and stuff, it's a tricky one for them. Um, they're really likable lads in in Kilmainham, really good club, well run and everything. And I'd like to see them picking up. I know there's no relegation in the intermediate this year, but you don't. A year just doesn't want to, you know, be finished at the end of April. Yeah. You have to try and keep it going. And if they can get a win, you said it. If they can get a win the next day out. It keeps them alive and it keeps them interested. If they get a defeat, you know, their last two games are dead rubbers. Don't matter. So, it's a it's a difficult one. Yeah, absolutely. But looking at the three uh, groups, Group A, you know, it's finely balanced. Um, there's nobody running away with it yet. The second group, Group B, Castleton, as we said, are sitting pretty on four points. Again, it's wide open for the second and third spot. Uh, there's St. Michael's are on three points and then everybody else is uh, two, two, one and zero. And then the last group, again, Dunderry are the only ones on four points. So, a lot. There's still a lot to be played for in those groups. I suppose you'd be looking at the favourites in in Group B and and Group C as Dundry and uh, Castletown because they've got their their four points going into the break. That Group A just you know leaves. Uh, 
it's it just leaves it that your your on tender hooks mm. still going into that second part of the championship. Uh, looking at the uh, predictions just on the on the intermediate, um, I think in the Ballinlock Oldcastle game we I had gone for a draw and I think the rest of you had gone for uh, uh, an Oldcastle win. Had you gone for a draw? Yep. Oh, Brian Kelly went with the same as me. No wonder I got it wrong. But well, we didn't and mention that at the time. Yeah, yeah. I was worried yeah. about the amount of ones I had the same as Brian. So. Uh, I I went for a Drumbarrow win. I think everybody yeah. else went for a Drumbarrow win in those predictions, did they? They did indeed. And then in the Mead Hill Nobber game, Nobber. you Nobber. went for Nobber. He went for Nobber, and me and Brian Kelly. Went for Why did I stick with Mickey Brennan? Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm thinking yeah. the exact same thing. <laughs> I'm thinking the exact same thing. If you'd like to advertise on the We Are Mead podcast, please get in contact with us by emailing wearemead at gmail.com or contact Damien on 085-1127-089. The We Are Mead podcast, because it matters more. We're going to move on now to the senior uh, championship and uh, Kieran Flynn, you're going to just read out the, the results there from the Thursday night, is it? Yeah, it's just the Group C fixtures on the Thursday night. There was two games on. One was in screen, one was in Ashburn. The the one in screen was Wolf Tones and St. Peter's and Boyne. Wolf Tones, 13 points, St. Peter's, 11. And the one up in Ashburn was Simon Sound, 14 points, St. Column Kills, 13. Yeah. Two great games. Though. Yeah, well, the, the one that you have to go to there is the Dunboyne and uh, Wolf Tones game, uh, Kieran. And, like... Nobody could have predicted a Wolf Tones win here. Um, and for all intents and purposes, they were shocking in the first half, but they came out like a team possessed in the second half and there was nothing that Dunboyne could do to get back into no, that game. I think uh, the Wolf Tones squad is actually probably underestimated at times. They have a lot of good footballers in that team and they, they just play a very simple style of football. Like Tony Kearney has been on, on the road a long time as a manager and like the tactics aren't exactly like on a break any moulds but he's got great players he just gets the ball directly into them the two wards Porrit Diamond played very well winning the ball uh, Sarah Nofinigan like they've just good ball winners they win all their own ball and they they kick the scores and their defence was as mean as ever like Stephen Shepherd, a veteran as we call him here Brian Kelly's age you know, long in the tooth <laughs> and uh, well, that was Rispin actually that did that so you agreed <laughs> yeah well, I thought he was but he, he's, 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 he's been absolutely outstanding in both he's been one of the the best club footballers in Mead for the last 10 years Stephen Shepherd. like he, he dominates nearly every game that he's involved in be it somehow or another he, he can play in the forwards can play in the backs but I think the total now he's scoring no, yeah. he doesn't bring his shooting boots he, no he, but he's, he, a, he's a dog he's, he goes up and down the field exactly yeah but uh Dunboyne didn't score much in the second half. So one point in the second half, yeah. like, wasn't it? So that's that's something that they'll be disappointed Kim with. Kim Ward was exceptional on freeze. Yeah, well, sure, that's another man we can talk about for donkey's years is just kicking points. Like yeah. That's what he does. He just gets up in the morning, kicks points out the back garden, <laughs> probably goes to work then, goes home for lunch, kicks a few points, then back to work, kicks another few points in the evening. Like, you know. And then after kicking them, he probably drink a few yeah, as well. Yeah, well, on a Friday night. <laughs> or leave that to you? No, well, I probably, probably bet him on that already. Well, it's a, it's a massive win for um, uh, the Wolf Tones. And I suppose in the second game, it saw Simonson taking on St. Column Kills. This was in uh, Dunhamore Ashburn. And uh, Brian Kelly, um, uh, Simonson didn't have it all their own way in this game, uh, coming out with a narrow victory. Um, we're losing at half time, but ground out a result. Yeah, it's probably one that Kills will feel that they definitely should have got something from. Not necessarily a win, but they mm-hmm. had the chances to get a draw at the end. Um, a really good game of football. Um, 
Ben Brennan went off injured close enough to the end and his experience and craft was probably missed in the closing stages because he'd be the type he'd pop up in the right place or he'd win a free or he'd do something. But they just they were lacking his bit of craft. James Conlon up front was different class. Mm-hmm. I think he ended up with six points, three from freeze, three from play. And Simonson just couldn't lay a glove on him at all. Which, like, the Shane Gallagher back there, they had Shane Barry dropping back as a sweeper. Like, it just didn't work. He, he was just, he was in one of those humours that he was just unmarkable. Yeah. But, like, having said that... The confidence of, of playing, for me, the confidence of playing and coming on against Donegal and Crow Park, that's going to do him the world of good as a footballer. Yeah, but talking to a few people in the kills prior to round one, they thought his confidence was quite low because they said he was used to starting a lot of games and playing mm-hmm. and he was having to get used to sitting on the bench and maybe not getting much game time and they reckon he was a bit low but obviously after getting round one out of the way he was just a player transformed for round two and if he continues that form on hard ground in the summer he could be a real weapon for the, sen- for the mid seniors yeah absolutely he's a he, he really is a, a prospect and somebody that needs to be brought along with that mid team um, the third game in group C in the very house steel uh, senior Football Championship saw um, Nafina taking on Curraha and Park Tolchin on Saturday and this finished Nafina 2 goals and 15 Curraha 3 goals and 11 and Kieran, I suppose heartbreak for Curraha so close and yet so far but Nafina flying high in, in Group C Yeah David said the game he was at in Bortmean was the pick of his weekend this was the pick of my weekend now this game was brilliant it had everything like there was heartbreak there was ecstasy there was like there was so much going on in the game and it was hard to keep track of it all. Like Kuraha, like they gave away I think one one through directed errors, like and Nafina then at the same time I'd say they probably gave away something similar with kinda un unforced errors. There was just great excitement, like kickouts going astray, there was lads breaking through tackles, popping up with goals, points from great distances, like James McEntee was brilliant. Jack O'Connor, um, the wing forward for Kuraha kicked a free with his weaker foot in the corner, flag nearly. But just there on the thirteen meter line, it was unbelievable. Like the, the standard of the game was so high, and like it was kind of at the very end, like there was referee decisions going this way, going that way, and there's just the like as as David said with the mile of Bolivar game, like the atmosphere was unreal, like and it was kind of followed by Rotorua, which wasn't as exciting, so it was kind of yeah. sim- followed a similar trend. But that game was it was unbelievable, like it was just so exciting. Yeah, just going back to the predictions, we all went for St Peter's Dunboyne, Simonstown and Nafina, and of course the only team that let us down there would have been Wolf Tones um beating uh, St Peter's Dunboyne. So um a massive victory for the Wolf Tones. Looking down at the group now, Nafina and Simonstown both on four points, Wolf Tones and St Peter's Dunboyne on two points, St Column Kills on zero points, and Curaha on zero points. But the thing about this one, David Rispin, when you look at the score difference mm-hmm. um, uh, for these teams, Nafina are only on plus five, Simonson are only on plus three, um, Wolf Tones are on, on uh, zero, uh, no d- score difference. So, um, St. Peter's Dunboyne are on plus three, Column Kills minus five, and Curraha minus six. That in itself tells the story of, of, of Group C. Okay, and Simonson and Nafina are both on four points, but the the margins of the victories in this group are very very low, showing you how tight this group is. Yeah, and I suppose just to follow that point up, I, you know, St. Colm Hills and Curraha both um, pointless on the bottom. Yet, you know, Colm Hills were bet by a point last Thursday, and yeah. the Fina only bet them with the aid of a late goal. You know, in, in the first round, Curraha similar story. Dunboyne 
senior champions bet them by four or five points I think it was in five, round yeah. in round one and then literally a, a, a 66 minute free from Shane Walsh was the difference you know at the weekend as well so you know that emphasises your point on how close it's going to be going forward as well like there's no reason why them two teams can't get a win the next day and unless they're playing each other <laughs> and uh, get back into contention but um, no Nafina will be thrilled you know to, to go into the break with four points it's probably a lot of people wouldn't have expected to see them there they would have expected same well, as I said. would have because I predicted them to win the two games yeah. and you're safe they're not playing each other I don't, cool. know, I don't know who Cora are playing but Kills are playing the Tones that's that's good to know but um, look you probably would have said at the start that Simonson and Dumbine you'd think would be at the top with four points Dumbine, you know, after that shock defeat to the Tones, are kind of level on points with them. Simonson are where they want to be, and and probably still not, as you said, playing to their maximum potential. Yeah. And if they yeah. do, there, there's no reason why they can't come through that group and, and be a force going forward. Yeah, absolutely. It's a very, very, very tight group. We're going to move on now to the Fairhill Steel Senior Football Championship Group B. And the first of the games was on Saturday, and the venue was Trim, and it was Rakenny against Longwood. And uh, this, I suppose, um. We, we kind of earmarked this as, as as both of these teams would have picked out this game as potential two points. And it was Rakenny who came away with the victory, David, um, uh, here against Longwood. Yeah, it was, a, it was a really good game. You know, probably lacked a little bit in, in terms of quality in that when you compare the first game to the second game, Summerhill and Manalvi. But it was intriguing and it was a real absorbing game as it went on. Longwood had a great start and Rakenny couldn't seem to kind of get going. Longwood got a couple of goals early on, um, through one of the coals, and they could have had another one hit the butt of the post. It could have been, it could have been worse for Rakenny, but uh, you know, so often they looked to their kind of key men. Brian Mead was unbelievable in midfield, like literally won everything, whether that was catching or breaking, and and more often than not, it was breaking to Donald Kyogen, who was kind of on rushing through. But Keith Curtis in the corner, like gave an absolute exhibition of point kicking. Eleven in total, left foot, right foot. It didn't matter. Jack Gore as well got a goal, kind of real inspirational goal, kind of burst through the defence in the second half, and that helped to turn the tide in Rakenny's favour. It took them a long time to kind of get into the swing of things and kind of shake Longwood off. Longwood themselves, they'll be a wee bit disappointed. I think they put an awful lot into this game. This was the game they targeted. Let's yeah. be honest about it. Retold wasn't a game that they, they ever would have expected to win but Rakenny would have been one that they would have had their eyes on from the start. They'll be disappointed because they put themselves in such a good position, four points up with 15 minutes to go and didn't just see the job out, which which is disappointing. There was two things, and I, again, <laughs> was talking Aaron Edison on Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one thing he actually pointed, and it was a really good point, that when Jack Gore was going through for his goal, he should have been pulled down at that stage. Right. Give away the free, give away the point. He wasn't, he scored a brilliant goal. Two minutes later, um, Rakenny... The opposite Longwood were going through. I think it was Ryan Moore. It could have been Aaron Ennis himself. Bearing through on goal. And I think it could have been Stephen Crosby. or I'm not sure who it was for a Kenny. Pulled him down. Took the black card. You know, gave away the point. But yeah. not the goal. And he emphasised the, the difference in experience. Rakenny have the experience at senior football. And that, that told in the end. Whereas Longwood kind of new to the setup, Still a little bit naive probably in that. And, and that was literally the difference between the teams. Sorry, there was nothing in it. Yeah. Um, but... Rakenny will be just relieved to get the win you know at this stage they'll need another result from somewhere to not finish in the bottom two long run for them now it's probably going to be an uphill task they're, they're probably looking at the relegation playoffs realistically but they will take a lot from the performance and the, if they are going into them playoffs the, you know they're going to meet teams probably in similar similar form, form to Rakenny yeah. and you know of, of that ilk and stuff so 
they might have a say yet. You yeah. never know. And 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 like okay, it's again that that group B is precariously um, positioned at the minute because there's four group four teams on two points. So like, although Longwood lost, there's still you know they still have a great chance if they can get themselves together. And, and Brian Kelly looking at it, 114 to, to Rakeney, 2-9 to Longwood. And as I said, you know, there's still only one victory away from four teams above them. Oh yeah, like there's not a lot in that group. Like Longwood in round one, they let in two sloppy goals and it was good night Vienna. Whereas if they got off to a good start against Main Albi, say when they played them in a local derby, anything could happen. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, July games, if there's football in July, can be strange. Depends who's away on J ones. It'll be September. It'll be it'll be after the first weekend in September. Just just let's <laughs> let's, let's, let's just have this that. isn't the official word, but there's not a chance there'll be club championship on if me there in Leinster final. <laughs> That's not official, but there won't be a hope. Don't be getting your hopes up. Go on your J one. Enjoy your summer. <laughs> um, See you in August. We'll we'll move but on. Say he must be playing a team of students in round three. Aren't they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not us. On, on, uh, on Saturday in Park Talchin, round two was Rotot and Dunamore Ashburn. And uh, I suppose both teams haven't had uh, great victories. The first day out, Rotot with that massive win over Longwood and Dunamore Ashburn with the win over Summerhill. Um, David Rispin, um, or, or sorry, Brian Kelly. Um, you know, I think everybody had predicted here uh, a Dunamore Ashburn win, bar myself. I'd gone for Rotot just to throw that in there. Um, well, we uh, all know that you like Rotot, so like. Well, well, there is that. Um, uh, but look, a local derby, Dunmore Ashburn and Rathod are two serious contenders for the Keegan Cup and it was Rathod who came away with a narrow victory by three points. Yeah, unfortunately, out of the five games I've seen over the weekend, this is probably the poorest. Um, the, when they played last year in the quarter-final, it wasn't great and I went in on Saturday thinking it'd be a much better game this week but just didn't happen like that. Dunmore Ashburn had two points after 12 or 13 minutes. Rathod hadn't scored. But yet Rathod ended up going in with a few points of a lead at half time. And in the second half you just you thought Dunham or Ashmore would come come again, but it just never happened. They were just it was it's, just a it's it's one of them local I mean, derbies that like doesn't live up to its billing. No, you know, it, the last few times that has the potential to be a cracker. Absolutely. And for some reason they just go out and cancel each other. They are they bring very they don't bring the teams. best of each other out, they bring the worst of each other out, maybe. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Yet they're still two teams you could easily see in a semi final down the line that's it ahead maybe of teams like Corahan and Afina were on beforehand brilliant game of football but like if you were to hedge your bets you'd probably say Dunham or Ashburn might be have a slightly better chance of getting to the semi-final than either of those yeah and are told probably the same yeah yeah but just it is a, a, a disappointing um, local derby, but Rathod won't be mm. worried about that, as we said already. It doesn't matter how you win. One as of long the, as you one get of the highlights actually was it was something that I don't think any of us had seen in his repertoire before. Andy Colgan came up in the first half and kicked a fabulous long range free. Brilliant. Like, well, we, 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 we know about his accuracy. Yeah, but it, just, it could be a weapon maybe as the year goes on from somewhere out on the right hand side from distance. I know Dardis did it in the league final, but. It, the more options you have, the better. Absolutely. Yeah, that was one thing I actually forgot to say about the Clonagale Dunsany match. Uh, the goalkeeper come up that for Clonagale. Yeah, you know, but it, this he's having flashbacks oh, still. Just we talk about the goalkeeper. Dunsany, Dunsany, Dunsany. It was actually it's Clonagale, Clonagale, Clonagale. But the goalie come up for Clonagale and actually kicked it free out of his hands. 
from the 13 meter line the goalkeeper come up and kicked a free about two yeah Owen Griffin from the minors the last year he, about three or four minutes earlier he came up to take about a 35 meter one off the ground and he missed and he was unceremoniously clapped back to his goals but then he came up to take a 13 meter free and put it over and then he, he was ceremoniously clapped this time I don't think I've ever seen that where a goalie kicked a free out of his hands no. I, I'll have to edit that out and bring it back an hour in the podcast <laughs> so I will um, look Ratot I left the immersion on in the house as well sorry let's have to go <laughs> Ratot uh, winning that uh, by three points and they'll be delighted with that victory uh, Dunham Rashburn obviously disappointed not to have the bragging rights in that local derby the last of the games in Group B saw um, Summerhill taking on Minalvi. this was in trim on Saturday and it finished Summerhill one goal in 14 Minalvi one goal in 9 again a five point victory for Summerhill but didn't have it all their own way against Minalvi, David no no this was a brilliant game really high quality contest uh, and, and Summerhill started really well but but then sort of faded out of the game and Manalvi, you know, for fifteen minutes probably in that second or in that first half rather, dominated the game, but probably just didn't get the conversion in terms of scoring which their their efforts and their dominance probably deserved or merited. Uh, they did get a goal through David McLaughlin. He started. He was he was very good in the first half. I think he got one two in the first half. Um, a free and and a goal and a point from play. But Barry Dardis, you know, he went off after twenty minutes. Um. But up until then, he kicked three brilliant points. One point similar to the one Brian actually mentioned there from the league final off the ground, wrong side from a 45. Fabulous score. And kicked another good score. Actually went off, got a bad bang. There was no malice in it or maliciousness. Yeah. It was just one of them. And had to depart. And, and on that stage, you know, Manav, you were right in the game. And you were kind of saying to yourself, Jesus, you know, there's every chance they could without Barry probably go on and get something out of this game. Darren Brennan got a black card for them. He's a, he's a really important defender for Manalvi. And and Summerhill did improve. Shawnee Dalton was outstanding. Like first half, he did the pace like absolute lightning. His goal was fantastic. I think you'll see it on on me daily or one of them. There was really good strike, and he got two points as well. And Summerhill then in in the second half, they used kind of all their nous and experience to just see the game out. Manalvi didn't really offer too much in resistance. In fairness to Ronan Ryan, did an excellent job on Danger Man killing O'Sullivan. Didn't do a whole pile. O'Sullivan couldn't really. He was limited to it. Um. And and Summerhill, you know, sort of similar to what we've been saying, the running team through the podcast is that they were under pressure, haven't haven't been beaten in the first round to Dunham mm-hmm. Ashburn. They had to come out and get a result, local derby. Yeah. You never know what's going to ha- happen. They'll be really pleased, especially the way the kind of game panned out that they they control it and they seen you know Manalvi off and, and and they can look forward now to their summer football. Yeah, they will indeed. And uh, that leaves uh, the group B looking like this. It's Rathout with maximum points. Uh, from two games four points then Minalvi Dunhamer Ashburn Summerhill as you said needing to pick up that win Andrat Kenny all on two points and as we said Longwood on zero points but again it's all to be played for in that division and looking back through uh, the uh, predictions um, everybody had gone for a Summerhill win everybody had gone for a Rathkenny win and you three boys went for an Ashburn win I went for a Rathout win, so I got all three results in that group right, just to just to point out to you there, lads. Um, but we'll move on. Anyway, in uh, the Fairy House Steel Senior Football Championship Group you, you A... You did finish third this week, though. <laughs> no, I didn't. We'll come back to no, that. No, no, we'll come back to that. We'll come back to that, and I will correct you on that. Uh, in the Fairy House Steel Senior <laughs> Football Championship Group A, um, the venue on Saturday was Simonstown, and it was screen taken on Navin O'Matneys, and this one... 
ebbed and flowed and went this way and went that way. And it ended up screen three goals and 13. Navin O'Matney's two goals and 13. Brian Kelly, uh, a cracking game of football. Um, Navin O'Matney's taking an early lead, going well, uh, or screen taking an early lead. O'Matney's coming back, going ahead. And then uh, screen coming back. And it just, this game ebbed and flowed from start to finish. This was a brilliant game of football from... Early on, O'Mahony's looked like they're going to co- walk away with it. Stephen Bray and Oisin O'Brien were unmarkable up front. They had two goals scored very early, and screen mm-hmm. were really struggling. Um, like you're wondering where were they going to get a foothold in the game at all? You look to your right hand side, and there was standing in the dugout Owen Smith, Conor O'Brien last year's club player of the year, and Harry Rooney. Like three leaders, three men, you'd say right in a dogfight, they'll help get you out of it. But they. Gradually got a foothold. Paddy O'Rourke was in at full forward and they started getting ball in on top of Paddy who was having a ding-dong battle with Niall McCaig. And he scored two a goal in the first half which re- dragged him back into a cracking goal. Outfielded McCaig over his head. Torn Jesus, buried. I never would have expected that. No, but uh, <laughs> I st- I st- I'd still back McCaig to... to Stop most full forwards winning the ball. <laughs> yeah. foul him, in other words. <laughs> I was trying to be nice. <laughs> Go on, and, uh, Screen went in then, and early in the second half, O'Rourke scored a penalty, nearly broke the crossbar, and Simonson hit the underside of the bar and just bounced up on, over the line and bounced back out. And fair play, the umpires were alert and spotted had crossed the line. And from there on, you were kind of looking and Paddy Fox had come off the bench and made a big impact for screen. And maybe O'Mahony's just, without Rory O'Quillan on the 40, maybe they just ran out of steam a little bit because they kicked a few wides in the second half as the clock went against them, which in the first half they were popping over at their ease. Stephen Bray missed a couple, which you'd back him to score. And just as the the clock wore on, it wasn't happening for them. When you look at O'Matney's results this year, they haven't been under pressure in the last 10 or 15 minutes of games and maybe that was something that they weren't used to yeah, this year. And, and they've had Oquill on. Now, they didn't have Oquill on in round this one weekend, of the championship yeah. either, but they were 10 points up against Sanchston and only yeah. won by three. And had that game gone on a few more minutes, yeah, most neutrals reckon Sanchston might have even come back because yeah. they had all the momentum. So maybe O'Matney's just, they're not fully fit maybe at this stage, whatever it is, maybe they have a soft centre. But it's something that they'll want to close out games a little bit better as the championship wears on because they have a few tough games to come in the group. Like they haven't played Kells yet, they haven't played Dunshocklin yet, who are putting up big scores. Mm-hmm. So like they're not home and hosed yet. No, definitely not. But um, a, a, a big victory for Screen, a badly needed victory for Screen because they've had an indifferent uh, season so far. But uh, two wins from two in the championship and they will be happy with that. I was actually interested on the line at the weekend to see Mick O'Dowd seem to be taking a much bigger role at the screen team than he had up to now. Um, a few people seem to think that he maybe had taken the reins a little bit more between the first round and round two. Well, that's something we'll have to delve into. Maybe if you meet any of the screen lads out. And I'm, I'm sure they did. <laughs> well, meet any more of them. I mean, like, <laughs> Please, now. Come in the front door of the, the Palace Bar. You know, this, it's only a small little pub there now. And you know, Just and remember, that. folks, drink responsibly. Oh, this was responsible. All right, but come in there and the 30 of them, they're nearly waiting for myself and Brisbane. <laughs> <laughs> we got humped at the door. Well, <laughs> surely, <laughs> please, we were there. Oh, we were there and we, we, we stood our corner. We well, said, funnily enough, the, went nothing. We the reason And then we that. ran for the hills then. <laughs> The reason oh, for that, corner, yeah. <laughs> the reason for that was uh, from the predictions from last week, lads. 
all three of you had gone for an Avon O'Matney's win. I had gone for a draw in this game, but it was Scream, so we all got it wrong. Uh, Scream coming away with the victory, and, and, and they are well entitled I to think make... It's the same as what David said. I don't think they trained this week at all. They just, yeah. just put the, the four headshots of us up on the wall and screen there, <laughs> and just played darts all week. I think Owen Smith says, whatever about you two lads, you know a bit, he says, Mickey Brandon knows absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I do remember that, actually, yeah. yeah and, he wasn't, and he wasn't wrong. It's amazing what people will say well, when they're drunk. As a, as a son of Declan Smith, he definitely wouldn't be short of an opinion anyway. Yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, on Sunday, the venue was Red Kenny, and uh, this game saw Gail Column Kill take it on St. Pat's, and it finished Gail Column Kill 2-14, St. Pat's 1 goal and 10, and uh, David Rispin, I suppose, that was a victory that we kind of all had predicted. Um, Gail Column Kill's getting the better of St. Pat's. Yeah, it was, it was, to be fair, coming off the back of um, you know their two first-round games, I think Pat's were probably... You know they they kept uh, screened to to only a three point margin of victory. Kells um just scraped by Dunshockland as we know, but this one was probably always going to go to form, and it was you know we kind of predicted it wouldn't be a landslide victory, but we predicted that Kells would win comfortably enough, and the jury did. Uh, I think Seamus Maddowmo was very good. Yeah. The usual Bino O'Hanlon, you know, star of the championship last year, best player in, in the county, probably in the club championship last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, someone in the pod doesn't agree with Yeah, you well know. sure like that doesn't matter. <laughs> but uh he was he was very good too and um Ushin Ushin Riley, Fionn Ferguson Fionn Riley actually came on first first appearance for their senior team this year. So they, they have that juniors, yeah. exactly they have that strength and depth um for Pats, I think. I was I was actually talking to Davy Cahill um last night as well, uh, St Pat's manager, and he was he was saying, look, at Kells wouldn't have been a game that they targeted a win, and he says they're pretty kind of, you know, resources are pretty tight there in in, in St Pat's, and they have what they have. He is still confident that they can avoid the drop, that they can actually, you know, stem stem the the tide or whatever it is. But they're probably going to be looking at the relegation playoffs. It's it's, it's hard not to see that at this stage. But then again, they still have to play Centralstown and Dunshockland, and if they were to manage two wins there, they'd probably end up avoiding them altogether. But uh, they're they're going to have to improve paths, I think, because they've been on that you know steady kind of downward curve for for quite a while now. And just as you mentioned, Dunshockland and Centralstown, that was the last game of Group A. This was played on Sunday. This was in Ashburn, and it finished Dunshockland three goals and eleven, Centralstown two goals and thirteen. That's twenty points to nineteen, and. I suppose, Brian Kelly, as you rub your chin there, you're still trying to fathom how Centralstown lost this game. They had a nine-point uh, lead in the first half and said, uh, Dunshockton were reduced to 14 men in the second half uh, towards the end, the black card, wasn't it? Or to second yellow. It was the second yellow, it was the red card. And Centralstown had all the chances towards the end. They were two points up, though they were two points up and they missed three or four chances. I think Mulvaney missed maybe two. Um, and then uh, it, Dunshockland got the point. They had a couple more chances, Centralstown, and then they missed a goal. Or, or then Dunshockland got the goal to go two points up. Centralstown get a point to leave the minimum between them. But it's a game that, that uh, Centralstown will definitely think that they lost two points in. Well, you're kind of stating the obvious. Um, <laughs> well, I'm asking you to elaborate on it. <laughs> Do I have to? Uh, <laughs> yes, he really was indoors all weekend. He's very wound up, isn't he? Mm. Ah, look at uh, two, two five to two points up in the first half. Yeah, you're thinking this is you're off to a great start and build on it. But from there on, we got wiped at midfield, and then Shockland gradually got a foothold. 
they got a couple of points in the run into half time which brought the gap back to six and then Luke Mitchell um, to within a half time and Ray Maloney tore strips off the players he took charge in the dressing room at half time he did the team talk um, they brought Luke Mitchell on and he scored 2-2 now one of the goals was quite controversial yeah the um, the referee went into the umpires um, there, was a, there was a bit of a chat and whatever then the linesman came in yeah. and uh, in the end the goal was given what they were saying was is that when the ball was played that Luke Mitchell was already standing in the square but um, yeah, it was the, rude, it was the ball was the played in it was a hand pass across to Mitchell and he flicked it in and uh, one umpire thought it was a goal the other umpire thought it was a square ball and the linesman came in from 60, 70 yards away and said it was a goal. So, look at... From, I was standing behind him. I thought it was a square ball. The fellow beside me thought it was fine. And the third fella said he hadn't got a clue. So, it was just one of those... Yeah. I wouldn't, like, I wouldn't have... And I got challenged for challenging the referee for saying it. Just to, just to return the favour there, Brian. Thanks. Like, yeah, he's you not did a re- lose it. Brian is not a referee. Uh, <laughs> Thank God. Like, I... <laughs> From where I was, I could easily be wrong, so I'm not going to criticise anyone. It was just an interesting one that the linesman came in from so far away. Um, look, he's well, the, well, who knows, he mightn't have had the last say in it or whatever, but yeah. um, the rule is, is that you can't be standing in the square before the ball is played. Now, unless the ball was played from inside the square already mm. which, and which which is a possibility which is a possibility that it could have been because it was it was intricate passing in, in the large parallelogram at least. Yeah, like it was a look. Anyways, they apart were, from apart from that goal, it was a fantastic comeback did, for Cent- uh, yeah. But then Centralstown did take, take away from that. did take the lead again, mm. and didn't build on it, and had chances to 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 had, had chances. Um, probably had more chances after we went behind rather than at that stage. But a little bit of inexperience. Owen Finnegan missed a chance. Cahill Finnegan missed a chance. Dylan Keaton went in and instead of maybe taking the point he went for a goal and he got bottled up by Adam McDermott yeah, yeah. Brian Sheridan had a chance with well it wasn't he, there was three lads around him and he got blocked like just these things which all then, just come against you and then and then the Jocelyn mid- through the hands bang get that winning goal it was yeah, like, again another, another defence splitting passing and they just walked the ball into the net yeah like they were kind of overrunning us from the midfield area back and we were struggling at that stage just to keep up with them but it was a cracking game of football. Yeah, like absolutely. two teams last year they played a, a draw a game in Ashburn. We robbed them, but it was a poor game of football. Yesterday was a brilliant game, and if both teams play like that, they'll be confident to taking a scalp somewhere along the line. Absolutely, and and it's time putting it up to Matney's as well. Be very disappointed not to have two points on the board. Looking at the table, we'll actually looking at the predictions first. I had gone for a draw on this one. I wasn't able to separate the teams and it could very easily have been a draw, but it wasn't. It was Dunshockland who got the victory. Kieran Flynn and David Rispin went for uh, Dunshockland win and Brian Kelly, you obviously went well, for I got, I got that much abuse for picking on Mahoney's in round one. I believe David Gordon was throwing darts at me face somewhere. <laughs> you, you'll be up, in, up on the wall the of your thing. own. You'll yeah. be, there'll be pictures of you up on your uh, of the wall of your own dressing room from now on. But leaving that leaves this the, the uh, group a looking like this Gail Column Kill and Screen both have four points Navin O'Matneys have two points and Shockland have two points Centristown and St Pat's both on zero points and uh, David Rispin looking at that um, group I suppose it's probably going the way that we would have expected it at the start of the uh, championship but 
Centrestown really, you know, will be kicking themselves that they haven't got at least two points on the board from two games. Yeah, we probably would have, you know, expected a lot of it. Maybe O'Mahony's in screen to flip-flop there with, with O'Mahony's yeah. with four and screen with two, but that's only a minor kind of change. Kells top, yeah. Um, and then and then the Dunchocklin Centrestown game, in, in its essence, was probably a 50-50 game anyway. You know, it was clearly split here, but it was clearly split amongst the county and it reflected, I think, in the odds going into the game too. I think Dunchocklin were marginal favourites or whatever, but it's a real tough one for Centrestown to take going into that break now with it, you know, such a such a heartbreaking defeat for them. They're down there with Pats now. They're gonna need two wins and, and to hope that Dunchocklin probably stop or don't pick up another win maybe um as well. And that, that's gonna be difficult too with, with them having to play Pats and stuff. So that's where the head to head kinda comes in as well. You could end up on the same points as Dunchocklin and end up finishing second from bottom, just down to the head to head. But there's no doubt Sanchestown have good footballers and young footballers coming through is that, and that that kind of thing. It's probably a difficult one for, for them to suss out now because as Brian says, you know, he played so well for the majority of the game and just didn't kind of see the game out and probably should have done. I think first 20 minutes were outstanding from by all accounts. But mm-hmm. it's a tricky one. Um, But it, it, there, there is definitely potential and sometimes Sanchestown play better kind of when they're in the face of adversity as we see. Oh yeah, like round three, yeah. local derby, play screen. Like there's a huge amount of riding on that game, um, like the young lads are really the fellas who are pulling out the stops for us at the yeah, minute. Carl yeah. Finnegan went, in, went into the match at the weekend carrying a knock. He still scored four points. Dylan Keaton scored two points after getting one four again on Matthews. Mm-hmm. Alan Mulvaney didn't start. He was out. He's in the Gale Tuckton Guido at the minute. He flew home on Saturday for the match and right. he went straight to the airport afterwards to go back to Guido. He could be firefighting in Donegal this evening. Who knows with the gorse fires that are up there? But like he was a he, him not starting was a big loss because he's a hard working, creative half forward who makes chances, and he's yeah. able to kick a pint as well. Like when he came on, he scored a great pint. Like yeah, it's it's the young lads we're going to be relying on to to push on because we Joe Sheridan you can't keep relying on Joe he's no, played he, senior football probably 20 years at this stage yeah yeah, and and look uh, I suppose the only thing is is that uh, like all the teams they've got a two or three month break now they can get lads back from injury they can get these young fellas up to speed and Centralton will still uh, take a scalp in, 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 in this senior championship and they will have a big say in who goes through to the quarterfinals from the senior championship lads that's the, the uh, all the uh, championships reviewed now just looking back over our predictions um, for uh, myself I had 36 points from this week uh, um, Kieran Flynn you had 36 points as well and at the bottom of the table this week is uh, Brian Kelly with 30 points um, a, a, round of, a, a round of Hail Marys and a couple of her, Our Fathers for you after that Brian Kelly and then Davy Rispin uh, the top of the leaderboard this week with 42 it's points nice to see in the Enclosure. I won last week. You won this week. So with win, Mickey didn't win, which is all that really matters. That that that's <laughs> all. That it's a bit the only thing the two junior fellas will win this year. Absolutely. Yeah. But forty-two points for Brisbane. And is your man from Centrestown. Looking, now, God of Almighty, the, the nails are coming out again. Um, looking at the Courtown Championship uh, forecast um, over the last two weeks, it's been a brilliant success for Courtown. Mm. Um, this week it was won with forty-nine points. Yeah. You were only seven points off at yourself. I'd say you're disappointed pointed with a couple of the predictions that you had yeah if I got the draw I think I picked the draw in the Balnebracchi and Castletown game and had I got that that would have brought me up to uh, to 40, 49 um, 
yeah, had the draw, so seven points would have been added there. To oh, uh, oh yeah. yeah, if they, if they, if yeah. they had drawn, I thought. But, um, no, look, it's all a bit of crack and that kind of thing. And, and you know, if I had to win the actual thing, I'd probably get fingers pointed at me because I'm organising the feckin' yoke that I'd won it. And <laughs> I would have given it back to the club anyway, you know. I'm good like that. But, uh, no, it's been, it's been a really good... It's you don't win. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's been a great success. And uh, thanks to everyone. There's a lot of people actually directly, you know, from the podcast who, who've joined it. So thanks to everyone who's joined, the listeners and everyone else. Yeah, it's been it's been a bit of a crack with us as well. Um, we enjoy it here in the podcast. Um, Kieran Flynn really sour this week that he wasn't top of the table. So sour that he 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 only came second. Um, this week joint second with myself. No second, second. <laughs> no, 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 thirty six points is thirty six points. You know. Yeah, you but as be. the the reigning champ coming into this week, I think I have the just have the the belt. It's like the boxing, like when you draw it with the champ, you're the champ. You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he, he always tries to swindle it somewhere. Yeah. Lads, um, look. At least you're not Brian Kelly at the bottom of the heap, I suppose. That's the main thing. Well, well, that's one way of looking at it. <laughs> um, there'll be no podcast, for, just for the listeners, there'll be no podcast next week. Uh, but we will be previewing the Mead v Offaly game, which will take place at the Leinster Championship on Sunday the 12th of May. But our podcast is going to be on uh, maybe the 6th or 7th of May and we'll be reviewing all the uh, all-county football leagues and we'll be uh, the Christie Ring as well. We'll be uh, uh, reviewing and previewing the Hurling as well um, very, very quickly, I might add. Um, and uh, the main... The so main I'm going to enjoy that. The, take me time. The main I'll event. go to every little bit of Hurling that I can think of. The oh, main, <laughs> wouldn't be like here to be a little bit slow. <laughs> the main event will obviously be the Mead v Offaly and the Leinster Senior uh, football championship and uh, we've great high hopes for Mead this year after an absolutely brilliant league campaign National Football League Division 2 campaign finishing top of the table going up to Division 1 and we're on a high going into the Leinster Championship uh, Kieran Flynn have you any other business from the county board? Just the I know it's a bit probably mad but the A-League football is back this Wednesday coming uh-huh, like, it is and it's mad we think Easter weekend there's championship on a lot of lads probably would have rather been elsewhere and they're straight back into the A League, so the, the league will be finished probably come July. I'd say maybe early August. That'd be brilliant. If we have football, if we are playing football throughout the summer in the league, I, it'll be absolutely brilliant. Because last year we talked about that. Last year, two and a half months of the most fabulous weather, and not a ball kicked. You were just trying. The grass needed to grow. Not enough water in the grass. That was the problem. <laughs> there was plenty of clubs watering yeah. the grass. I can tell you, uh, Brian Kelly. If you anything from the minor board, I suppose the the mid miners are out tomorrow evening, and that's something that we really need to push out. Yeah, the miners are out tomorrow. Tomorrow evening in, in Parnell at half seven and then the minor hurlers are out in against Carlo in IT Carlo on Saturday afternoon. So best luck to both managers, Connor Donahue at the footballers and Philip Lines with the hurlers. Hopefully we're two from two after Saturday evening. Absolutely. And uh, David Risman, any other business? I have a feeling I know what he's gonna say. Uh no, there's a blog coming. Uh, oh, brilliant from the weekend, so yeah, the Royal House draw, as Kieran wants me to say. But first and foremost, the blog will be actually out tomorrow, probably tomorrow evening, hopefully all going well when I get home and write it. Um, so just keep an eye out for that on Twitter, and I think it'll be on the Media website as well. So you'll see it there. Um, and don't forget the Royal House draw, we're after launch, and so hopefully people can start buying their tickets for the second draw. I think it's the 28th of September. Um, you know, the next house is going to be drawn, and then the last one's at Christmas. So um, get your tickets, yeah, house to be won. I'm not going to try and sell Kieran's idea, so don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brian, you have one more thing? Yeah, the Harlan PRO was on to me today just to make sure we mentioned there's a meet and greet on Thursday night with the senior Harlan team in Dungan East for So it's a great opportunity for any young youngsters interested in Harlan to go and meet the team. 
absolutely yeah do indeed get out to, to Dun- is it Dungani Dungani on Thursday evening um, again we want to wish uh, the Mead ladies all the best their uh, final is taking place on Saturday the 4th of May and the venue is to be decided that's going to be the Little National Football League Division 3 and uh, Mead take on Sligo in that one. So, lads, again, thanks. I'm going to give you a, a break this week. You won't have to be rushing down here to Navin uh, to do the podcast next weekend. So, uh, you can go out and you can drink the heads of yourselves next weekend and you won't have to worry about hangovers coming in here to Lonely Castle in Navin. And remember, we are Mead. Why? It matters more.